0: What's up, world? Welcome back to The African Effect. This is your boy, Derek, here with... Natalie. Um, we have a special guest here, and her name is...
1: It's Titi. What's up, TT? Yeah, it's TT.: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for joining us.
1: No problem. You had Tito's and food. I'm here. That's right.
2: What kind of food did you get? McDonald's. Mmm, Derek. <laughs> Derek. Derek is in charge of the food, y'all. And he got her McDonald's
0: look first of all anyone who knows me i don't eat mcdonald's I don't that's know a lot my kids eat mcdonald's okay well you don't let the kids eat mcdonald's
2: okay but look, you don't eat mcdonald's no
1: mm. okay look i actually got some golden cheek but he told me i couldn't go over 12 dollars.
2: <laughs> i'm gonna have to call tt out because before we recorded she said 15 now she said oh 12. well y'all you can't, all you're all not gonna play you're then. not gonna play my co-host like that uh uh-uh. <laughs> exactly just like i said she's gonna be popping that goddamn damn <laughs> You're not okay. going to play my toss. Nope. <laughs> nah. So uh, we have TT here today. and um, Today is a pretty special episode uh, because we want to touch on something that we think is very important. Something that um, is prevalent in the African community as well as the African com- American community. And that is uh, mental health, um, which is a huge, huge, huge thing. And so um, TT, you know Derek, right? You guys are friends. Um, how long have you guys known each other?
1: Um, about eight years now.
2: Dang, okay, it's a long time. So, what is the um? What is the, I guess the the first thing when you know we, we talk about mental health. I know we all have kind of experienced, and Derek and I have kind of talked a little bit about our issues with mental health. Um, and some of the things that we've experienced with it. But I guess, um, talking to you, TT. So. Would you say that um, in your life now, mental health has severely impacted the way that you view things and view people? Is it something that you just recently discovered as is an issue or is it something that's been prevalent like all of your life?
1: I can say it's still an impact. Mm. Um, I don't think we ever outgrow mental health. I don't think therapy outgrows mental health. Mm. I don't think alcohol outgrows mental health. Mm. I don't think sex mm. outgrows mental health. So um, even with meeting Derek eight years ago, I was going through it mentally. So that's how we clip. Mm.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So, <laughs> so we met like, it was a call center that we was working at. Um, Big
2: ups to the call centers.
0: And, um, and I remember when I first introduced myself, like, T, T always says this, I'm married, and, you know, I love my
1: family. You know. So <laughs> happily.
0: So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, definitely, like, during that time, I could tell that she was going through some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but underneath it all, you could, like, see, like, she was a dope ass woman, like, she mm-hmm. was dope. But obviously... Um, she had personal things that she was dealing with that
1: absolutely
0: it it was like affecting her day-to-day movement mm. you know so
2: so what is it and you know I guess I'll, I'll ask and you know forgive me for being too intrusive but a lot of the things that you mentioned about outgrowing mental health you said alcohol you said sex you said therapy those are all With the exception of therapy, those two are kind of like coping mechanisms, right? So when did you, when would you feel like you identified that you were using coping mechanisms and they weren't healthy? Was it a particular situation that maybe precipitated the drinking or the sex or the drug, whatever, whatever's going on?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Yes. So I can say um, about a year ago, uh, probably not even fully a year. I recognized that I was coping with alcohol Mm. and street drugs Mm. to deal with the death. Mm. So it was very close to me. It was my child's father. In fact, it was the same guy I used to talk to Derek about when we worked eight years ago. Wow. Yep. So um, after he passed away, I felt like this is your last chance. You got to live. You got to do things that you never thought you were going to be able to do. So I started going out more. And of course, I'm interested in women. Sometimes, man, it depends on what I want to feel on that night. Right. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Who's um, getting on my nerves today? Oh, depends. he is. All right. Let me go to yeah. her. Yep. But that death also made me understand that I'm more interested in women and more than so than men. I was just using men to cope. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, How did 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 that death make you realize that? that? How did that make Mm -hmm. you
0: realize that? That's interesting.
1: (laughs) Um, It made me realize to be myself. Mm. I was being with a man for society, Mm. for my children. I thought living in a same-sex household or being with the same sex would influence them. Mm. And I didn't want to be an influencer. I wanted them to have the white fence. Mm. the big house, the mom and dad, something I didn't grow up with, something society say we're supposed to have. So that's when I realized that I'm more into women than I am men. So would you say like that, that identity
2: or lack of identity, um, or maybe that identity crisis, right? Like having to be in a relationship or not having to be but wanting to be in a relationship with a man for the purposes of your children but really desiring something else do you think that that helped, that, that um contributed to your mental health i don't want to say crisis cuz i'm not going to speak for you but your mental health um issues at that time
1: i felt like i lost the man i was supposed to be with mm. so with that happening i had to uh figure out okay so to fast to rewind i was with this man i had a child with this man i confined Derek when we started working eight years ago he helped me through that situation because we were going through a separation we had a child i didn't know how to deal with us co-parenting so he helped me through that situation verbally um so fast forward to get over that man i got under another one Mm. So that's why I say sex doesn't help with the mental Mm. coping. Right. Because I end up being in a five-year useless relationship Mm. back and forth. So after that relationship, I realized I like women. Mm -hmm. I was with a man just to be with a man. Mm. I had sex with him just to have sex with him. I wasn't pleasured. Mm. So I got with a woman and i noticed that i can confine more in a woman i can connect more with a woman a woman understands me more mm-hmm. mentally a man i would have to say hey can you go do this at 1 p.m not 1 30 <laughs> and be back by two o'clock a woman i could say hey we need to be there at 1 p.m and we need to come back at 2 we're going at 12 30.
2: So it was easier on you to be with the woman, but you still, I'm, su- I'm sure you still, and not to take away from anything that you said, but I'm sure that you were, that even with being with a woman, you were still finding yourself dealing with some mental health issues. Um, was there ever a point where you felt like, um, and I asked this question just honestly, was there ever a point where you felt like this, this life or this period of time that I'm going through is too much and I gotta, I gotta get out of here.
1: Yeah, like I was saying, um, after I lost my child's father mm-hmm. last year, um, I was dealing with multiple women at a time. So I'll be with one one night and be with another a couple nights later.
0: Player, player.
1: <laughs> I mean, they do tell me, ho <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, um, it was my coping. And one day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do this no more. Mm. I don't want to be with one chick one night and be with chick two nights later. I just want to chill. I want to be one person. And that was my reality check.
3: Yeah, I I, I know what you're saying, man, because.
0: I dealt with a lot of depression growing up, a lot of mental issues. I I wouldn't I don't necessarily say it was like, I guess I had like mental issues. I, I don't know, but it was a lot of depression for me growing up because. The depression that i dealt with related to my parents relationship mm-hmm.
1: but what did and your parents say don't bring don't take what don't talk about my business outside my house
0: right um and typically we didn't especially like in the african community like depression is not a thing Mm-mm. you can't talk about depression you bring that Mm-mm. to your mom and your dad they're mm-hmm. like to get your ass they're me. like what is depression like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like your mind that like that's crazy like that's just a spiritual thing right but it's, the it's, devil. it's it's real though like it's a it's a real life experience like and it's a real life e- emotion that that you go through and so for me it was like seeing like the um toxic relationship and like it seemed like your it, parents huh
1: between your parents the yes toxic? Okay. yes
3: and so it seemed like it, what was more important <clears throat> was um the image okay right versus what actually mattered
0: you know like the uh mental stability like the emotional stability all of those things so um
2: i think that that's not to cut you off but i think that that is one of the one of the things that it's important to acknowledge so i think you know with this podcast or at least with some of the things we talk about we try to find some parallels between the African community and the African American community. And what I'm hearing is that, you know, in your household growing up and even in your household and even in my household growing up, mental health or issues of mental health were swept under the rug. They weren't acknowledged. And it was just kind of like, don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you're having an issue, you just need to be quiet and don't say anything about it. And just kind of struggle in silence. And that's definitely something that I also experienced um, growing up. I don't think that, My parents necessarily said, don't talk about it, but they did not. And unknowingly, they They didn't didn't really welcome an environment that was conducive for me to talk about it. So what do you do when that happens? Especially if you're a teenager, you're a young person growing up, you go outside the home, you meet, you maybe get bad friends or you maybe start to hang around the wrong people that actually seem like they care about what you're going through. And it starts a really bad cycle of bad decision making, Um, you know doing bad things, coping mechanisms, getting into alcohol, getting into drugs. Um, You know, and I'll be very honest. I think I'll start (laughs) with the vulnerable talk. My sister, my parents got divorced and, um, you know, we didn't really grow up in uh, a household that was like that white picket fence. And no, it was a very toxic environment. While my siblings and I, my brothers and I were able to find outlets that were positive like you know we were really heavy in school we were playing a lot of sports we were just kind of trying to keep ourselves busy so we didn't have to think about it my sister unfortunately went the opposite way so she was she you know she couldn't find the help she needed at home so she went to go talk to people outside the home and started doing drugs started drinking running the streets like she was just she's gone um and to this day we still have a hard time contacting her we don't know you know, exactly where she is. Um, and because we're African, the initial thing that happened when she started to act out was, oh, she's she's a bad apple. Oh, she's crazy. Oh, she, you but know. Let
1: me ask you this. When did you learn that African-Americans or Africans use the word depression? After my dad died. So us growing up, we didn't know that time. Mm-hmm we didn't know that that was something that even existed.
2: Yeah. And we didn't. And that's the thing is like, it wasn't until later on in life that I, for a while, and I felt really bad about this. I used to, you know, chastise my sister, blame her for her behavior. And I would say, you know, just snap out of it. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you behaving this way? Until I got older and I realized that I, I actually didn't do the right thing. Had I known what I know now, and these are the kinds of things that we should be talking to our children about. Had I known what I know now, I would have empathized with her. I would have reached out to her and said, you know, I don't know what's going on. I know you may not be taking this divorce between our parents the same way that that I am or the same way my siblings are, but you need help. Instead, like, we pushed her further away because we made her feel like she was crazy when in reality she was just
1: trying to cope. Could we add anxiety to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For
3: sure.
1: Because, to be honest, I have anxiety pills. Hmm. I don't have depression. I was given depression pills one time before, but I never took them because I read all the side effects. But the anxiety pills help me sleep. Mm. So I do take those because I feel like depression is also thoughts that run through our minds that we can't deplete mm. until we get past them. And to me, life is a, is on a repeat cycle like a washing machine. So it's like we start that cycle. We run it, but if you stop it in the middle, your clothes aren't clean, right? Mm. So that means whatever we're going through has not been cleansed or has not been processed. We stopped it in the process, right? So we would have to restart that load to re-cleanse. And that's how I look at life sometimes. It's a cycle. So we're going through things, we're reliving, what do they call it? Uh, deja vu. Mm. We're, living, we're reliving things that we've already possibly been through to see how we're going to change the scenario or how we're going to deal with it this time around. So with your sister and your situation, how do you think you would deal with her coming to you now? Hey, I have this drug problem. I'm dealing with mom and dad divorce. That's always been the impact because I also have an aunt that's on drugs Mm. and I've tried to help her multiple times. Mm -hmm. The last straw was last year. I went through all this stuff last year. She was living with me. Um, she ended up stealing a package off of the next door neighbors. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I'm a homeowner. Mm-hmm. So these are neighbors I might have to live with, right. what, 30 years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I attacked her because you're messing with my...
2: You attacked her physically? Yes she <laughs> said yes <laughs> yes
1: she's probably like 260 70 pounds 5'5 five, five. Uh, I grabbed her by the neck and was like you know why are you doing this you're messing mm. with my living arrangements You're you can mess up whatever we have going and I'll have this feud with this neighbor for the next 30 years so I had to physically get with her <laughs> and now I realize it's not her. Mm-hmm. It's what she went through. She was physically um sexually abused as a child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a child, um we don't know who did it. We don't know if it's the truth, or we don't know if it's a lie. But the story I was told is she was living with us as a child because she was sexually abused. So this actually, even though she's seven years older than me, she grew up as a sister to me. Mm. So I took it upon myself to bring her in my home last year and she stole out of my daughter's purse. Mm. She went to jail. She stole from Yeah, stores. I remember you telling me yeah. about
0: your, um, your aunt's thing yeah, she, you or
1: whatever. She did a lot of things. I bonded her out of jail. Every time she did something, I tried to cover her because this is not just my aunt. This is my sister. I grew up with her in the home. We brought her into our home when I was a little girl. So we didn't grow up as auntie, you know, auntie niece. We grew up as sister, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I realize now and what you just stated Mm -hmm. is that it's not her. It's that drug. Mm -hmm. She copes with that drug. And so that drug made her do that. Not her. Right. It wasn't her mental. It was that drug. And, and that unhealed trauma. And the unhealed trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I also had trauma. I also had someone try to do stuff to me sexually, but I didn't cope with drugs. Mm-hmm. I cope with like, I can say my issue when I sat down and went, to, I finally went to a therapist last year. And okay. Before, last year. Yeah.
2: So what made I went, you, I went
1: a couple of years before that, but I stopped going
2: um why'd because, you stop going
1: because i don't want to hear the truth mm. who wants to hear the truth about what they're going through mm. so i i was with my child's father at the time and his name is michael and i started going to therapy then because i'm thinking our relationship is being wrong because of me i'm doing this so mm. i went to therapy for him basically mm. the only thing i could talk about was and him and our not relationship for, and not for you yeah, that was an out for me. I was That was a way for me to talk about him without me talking to him,
3: mm.
1: which I should have did. I should have sat down and talked to him. Right. But you, we didn't grow up with that. We didn't grow up with mommy and daddy in the house. I grew up with mama in the house with different niggas coming in and out. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, know? okay. I grew up with different it's, niggas in and out. It's a safe place, man. To me, my mama was a hoe. Mm. And I tried to go blind to it. But as older as I get, I realized she code with men. Mm. So do you know
2: and you don't have to tell us, obviously, because that's very personal. But do you know her history now, like her growing up? She was sexually
1: abused as well, Mm, supposedly Mm. by her father.
2: Oh, there we go. There
1: we go. And he was paying her. Mm. I don't know if this is a true story or not, but she was sexually abused by her father. And then my aunt, which is her sister, was sexually abused by her stepfather. Mm. I don't know the truth behind any of this. Mm-hmm. But when I do speak to my grandmother, she tells me that my mom willingly slept with her father. That she felt like she was competing with her own daughter in her household.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Tell me, tell me. You said your mom what?
1: Your grandmother my says. My grandmother told me that she felt like she was competing with her own daughter in her household. For her man. For her man. Her Fucking father. Geez. That's crazy.
2: Like, that's crazy. That's heavy shit. That is crazy.
1: It's deep. and Imagine your grandmother confining in you and telling you this.
2: Like
0: do you like do you see how how deep that shit runs? Like how far it, that goes, shit runs? Like, it goes? It
1: goes way above us, and, and it's just <laughs> and it goes like, from like generation change. to generation to generation. Generation.
2: I I think that you know one the first the thing that strikes me with that is as a parent, right? if my child is doing anything or engaging in any activity that is not appropriate, I'm not thinking, Oh, I'm competing with my daughter for my man. Let why me, is my, why is that man even still in the household?
1: Let me interrupt you for a second. I have a coworker that I was very close with. I do not speak with her now um, due to what she was going through. I didn't know how to help her. Mm. So I decided to distance myself, which probably was the wrong thing to do, but I had to do, what was right for me at the time. Right. Um, she was married to a man and come to find out he was physically abusing her daughter. And she actually, the daughter came out and said, well, if you was pleasing him, he wouldn't have came to me. Oh my God. Um, so this is not just wow. something oh that God. we think is happening. is not happening. He it happens was a actually lot. buying her things and giving her money. And once the separation happened, the man went to jail And now she's a single mom trying to take care of these kids and struggling. She said, "Well, I wish I would have never said anything because now we wouldn't be in the situation." fears as Mm. being a
0: father and being divorced Mm. is being—you don't know who's gonna be around your child. Exactly, Mm -hmm. yo. And that and that was like one of the things that kept me from like pulling that trigger and saying, like, "Look, we need to go our separate ways." because i was constantly thinking about their well-being Mm -hmm. like the thought of another man coming into the picture like i I understand like it has nothing to do with their mom like being with a man like and being happy has nothing to do with that it is the safety of my kids it is their mental peace their emotional peace and especially they are girls and girls are a lot more fragile
1: and i understand because i have four girls so, so imagine me wanting to date a man and scared to have a man in my house. Like, mm-hmm. that makes me sick to my stomach, man. Like and I I you, I'm scared granny. to have a man I in yes. my house. I could.
2: I would, too. With all of that trauma, it seems but, like it's generational issues. And even with friends, it seems like you can't escape it. I would be terrified to have a man in my house, too. But yeah.
1: if you look on social media and read some of the articles that they don't put on the news, mm-hmm. you can't even have a woman in your house, either. You, and can't, fr- you can't trust anyone and for
2: and for me having a boy i remember back in the day you know we used to think that this kind of thing only happened to girls little girls Mm -hmm. and now we know that it happens to little boys too so the fear for me even just putting him in daycare because i I remember reading a story about a daycare worker that was taking kids into the closet and i'm like okay
1: imagine having a 13 year old knock on your door asking your son to come outside and he doing the splits and you trying to figure out should i let my son go outside with him because he may expose him to things that he's not prepared for.
2: See, all of this is just speaks to, I think, not just, I, I think it's very prevalent in the black community because a lot of these things are happening more often than we know about because we are still living under that don't ask, don't tell mentality with the black community. And I think that that, you know, not just sexual molestation or sexual abuse, but mental health. Um, all of that falls under that category and it's time to kind of, it's time to stop doing that. You have to really break the barrier. And I, you know, another situation, I think that's (laughs) speed. Look, I might get some heat for this, but I don't care. It needs to be discussed. A family friend of ours, um, football, big time football was supposed to go to the NFL. I mean, he was amazing, amazing player Um, and uh, a receiver. And um, hmm. he uh, just one, 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 one week or something or whatever, we found out that he had came back to Austin because I'm originally from Austin. Um, and we were like, what happened? You know, we thought that he was going to go to the NFL, get drafted. Nobody said anything. They just said, well, he just didn't want to play football anymore, which is so bizarre because that's all he's done all his life.
1: Kind of like he decided his life before. Yeah. And then like a year later,
2: you know, where this is after my dad died. So after my dad died, we were spending a lot of time together as a family. I get a text message from one of my best friends, and she's like, "Hey, your a your cousin slash family friend is on the news," and I'm like, "What?" So you she's no, so she sends me his name, and so I Google his name, and I see that he murdered his sister, Ooh. and I was like, "What?" And I knew his sister because his sister was a part of like my wedding and stuff, and very, they were very close, like they had a good relationship. A minute, I'm like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, let me let me wait hold
3: on,
1: watch."
2: And so <laughs> then I'm like, "Huh." So I'm looking and I say it out loud. I'm like, "Hey, so and so, they're saying so and so murdered his sister." And everyone in my household was like, "What? That has to be fake news." So we start Googling it. We get on Instagram, we start to see it flood through. And so it's a true thing. So as the weeks go by, we get more details on the story and he had um he had to have been like a schizophrenic and he had mental health issues and that's why he didn't go to the NFL. Um and his family did not um, openly discuss it they kind of kept it to themselves and so one day he had a mental break and he his sister who he loved so much because he loved his sister obviously said that you know the devil told him to do it and he literally mutilated her body I mean he he stabbed her so much that like her eyes were out of her socket
1: so did they do a mental evaluation before they go into the NFL mm-hmm. whenever you exhibit yeah.
2: certain behavior Perhaps, yeah yeah Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming that what happened, I don't know for sure. I'm assuming that what happened is that, you know, that is kind of what triggered like, okay, something is wrong. And instead of addressing it, I think they rather just pulled him out, which is, I can understand that, you know, you want to protect your child, but you see how dangerous it can be to not address mental health because you are literally risking people's lives. I have a question
1: about this. Mm -hmm. So do what, what type of relationship do you think him and his sister had? They were really close. Like they had a, close.
2: They no. They had a good relationship. They were like sibling, like close siblings, but that's like how I am with my older. brother.
1: You know, with what we're just speaking about, fathers, daughters. Can they go as far as brother's sisters? What type no, of relationship do you think have where that. you murder your sister?
2: No, but it's it was his mental. He was a schizophrenic at, at some at, and when you're unmedicated, right? You don't see people that you love as people that you love.
1: I think that was protection for her. I don't think so. He was protecting her from whatever he.
2: So he so, killed her. So he killed her. No, he protected her. No, no, he no. He took her with her.
1: You said that was his. Cl- he's was still cl- alive. I mean, but he's not gonna be alive alone. Well, it's a murder, right?
2: No, so, he's in. He's he's obviously it's mental health, so he's gonna okay. be in the state hospital for. I,
1: I look at it like this: amount. we protect the ones we don't want to be um, exposed to what we went through. I don't think that he
2: was in no. So I don't think that he was in a mental space where he was able to cognitively make that decision. I think that this is another part of the problem. It's like mental health is mental health, right? If it's you are,
0: it's, it's a wide range of like like um, disorders, like right? ADHD. Yeah,
1: they don't so, want to say that's in the black community either,
0: right? So it's not necessarily like you know just depression. It's not just mm-hmm. um, anxiety. It's not just. But what um, medication being really
1: stops you from doing things?
0: So as far as like medications, I'm, I'm not well versed in that area. Like, I'm not well versed in that area. But the problem is, is that um, when we start to us as parents. As, OK, so first of all, as a parent, it mm-hmm. is your obligation to make sure that your child is mentally, emotionally, spiritually exactly. and physically. You cannot.
1: Mm. I have five children. I cannot do that.
0: You can't. So no, uh, you can't. I'm not, not listening. Hear me. I, all I'm saying is it's our responsibility at the end of the day.
1: How? Right? To through do communi-
0: the- through communication, to do your due diligence. Look,
1: I have five girls, one boy. I mean, mm-hmm. four girls, one boy. I've talked to them countless of times. Hey, come come to me when you want birth control. Right. Come to me when you're ready to have sex. Are you depressed? Do you need to go to counseling? Right. Let me know what you need. Mm hmm. My daughter didn't come to me till after she graduated and let me know that she has an STD. I was going to wait till I was 18 so you wouldn't react.
0: What was her reason though? So I re- wouldn't think react. about what she, she said.
1: thought I was going to do something to her. Why would, why would she why think that? Why would she think that? Because I was, I was hard on them. I was, mm-hmm. I was hard on them in the beginning, exactly. but I was like, I didn't want you to make the same mistakes I did. did I was she, a teenage did they, mom.
2: Did they know, and I'm not trying to blame you, but I'm just saying when you attacked your, um, your aunt, did they know that you attacked her because she stole?
1: They knew I got emancipated at 16. And divorced my mother as a parent. I left that household. I emancipation basically means you're divorcing your parent as right, right. as your parent, basically. Mm-hmm. So they knew that. I expressed that numerous of times. Like, hey, I got emancipated to take care of you guys. And I did that for my own mental and well being because this woman kept putting me out. I had a child at 16, well, going on 17, and she was like, um, You're going to be a mom. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be a teenager and a mom. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. So I ended up divorcing her as a parent and getting my own place. Right. So I was on my own from basically my 17th birth. Well, really 16 and a half on forward when I had my child. And so they know that. So when she came to me and was like, I have an STD. I was going to wait till I was 18. I didn't say nothing. I got my purse. I said, you got money? She said, yep. I took her to the clinic. When I talked to her later on, she was like, I wasn't expecting that. I said, what were you expecting? She was like, I was expecting you to go off on me, put me out, go, you know, hit me, whatever. I'm like, no. I was your age once. If I would have felt more comfortable coming to my mother at this age, you wouldn't have been here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't have been here and your four siblings probably wouldn't have been here. I probably would have just been a free hoe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 so, uh, like, and I had to sit there and have that conversation with my 17 going on 18 year old child. She wasn't 18 yet. She was, she was still 17. So,
0: okay. So what was the point that you were trying to make when the you said, I'm no, like,
1: is even as comfortable as a parent, we may make it as a child to come to talk to us. Mm-hmm. They don't know the expectations. They don't know what we're going to feel. Right. And they're going to still fear us. But I think that's well, why you.
0: But I, OK, so I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut no, you up. So I think that. Our actions also matters. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. They
0: pay attention to the things that we say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the things that we say to them, mm-hmm. about them, around them. And the things that we involve them in. Like, oh so well, they know instance, I'm ignorant. Huh?
1: They know I'm ignorant. So Okay,
0: okay so for <laughs> exactly. So exactly. So you know they're paying attention to that. They they pay so, attention
1: to that, but I've also made it clear and I'm, and even with my partner, my ex partner, mm-hmm. she even has a problem with the way that my children are um very open. They're very open. They Speak how they want to speak. And I because allow, you allow that. You give I them allow that space. That. Right. I give them, hey, if you feel like ABC, you come tell me ABC. I don't care. And the way that that person grew up, let's go back to the way they grew up. Mm-hmm. They grew up with mom and dad living in separate households. Mm-hmm. They grew up with um, not being able to accept the gay community. Their parents is way older than mine. So her parents is basically my grandma's parents' age. So they don't accept that gay community. They don't okay. accept anything gay. They don't like it.
0: Which is fair. I mean, like they don't have to. They right? don't have to. No, that, that, that's the era to. they grew up in. Right.
1: We grew up in a different era. So with that being said is when my children speak out and say something to her, mm-hmm. she didn't grow up that way. It's disrespectful. Right. When my children say it to me, I love it. Because they're Why? coming to me being open, and they feel that they can be so, open with okay. me.
0: So, when you say they're speaking out, how are they speaking out though? Um, so, like, what what is the like the intent? What is? And, and, okay, so I'll give you one second. Like, does it real. come off as like? So think about it. Like, if you're in, if you're in a relationship with someone, right? Mm-hmm. Who grew and you have to be mindful of this that right. you Grew up in, that they grew up in a household where like there are strict boundaries. There are right. boundaries as to how like you, you did. communicate. huh?
1: Like you
2: did. Yeah, you grew up in a straight house. You grew up there. in yeah. a straight house. Very fucking straight. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So with that understanding, uh-huh. you have to be okay and understand like this. Like, she's not going. This individual is not going to receive it the same way that I'm receiving it. Because for me, it's like, yeah, I want my babies to come talk to me.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't care.
0: As long as I get it, just talk to me.
1: But where do you draw the line of disrespect? That's where the mental issues come in at. So that's where
0: you have the because conversation Because we're not able to express spouse. ourselves. So that's where you have the conversation with your spouse. Okay, so if you don't like it this way, how would you like for us to address their issues?
1: But would that, you, that go goes ahead. back to what we were saying. That's where the mental issues come in at. Because we're not, for African Americans, for Africans, period, we're not able to express, the, our, express ourselves the way that we think we can. We, because the way that we may have come off, it's disrespectful to some people. Right. They didn't grow up right. like that. I see what you're saying. So that's where a lot of mental issues come in because we follow it in. And so we go to our coping. coping alcohol. Yeah. Sex. But I think that partners. it's partners. But
2: I think that when you're talking about children and you're talking about like lifestyle, like we all know the way that I grew up, um, I I know the way that I grew up. I know what was disrespectful to my parents and what wasn't. But I also know the effects of that that it had on me. So I don't produce that environment for my son. You know what I'm saying? Just like I know what it's like to grow up in a toxic household where my parents didn't necessarily get along. So I would never put my child through that. I think that, you know, as a parent, there are always going to be certain things that you don't want to necessarily hear, right? And certain things that you don't want to necessarily think about your children doing. But I have to think in my mind, when I think about like my son now, I know he's just a baby, but I think about... Would I rather he, my son come to me and tell me, "Hey, mom, I'm having sex," which is something I don't want to hear, or would I, or would I rather stop it, or would I, or would I rather? a girl call my call my phone and say hey i'm pregnant by your son like what would i rather hear like i would rather my child come to me no matter how uncomfortable it is and i think that even though i didn't grow up like that like to to, in my household that would be disrespectful Mm -hmm. to my parents because even when i got pregnant i was like oh my god how do i tell them and i was grown and so um but for me because of that i i don't i'm not going to produce an environment like that so i You know, I I heard what you said about the way that you talk to your children, what you say. But it's also children are almost like I would venture to say like 70, 80 percent of what they see. Exactly. So I can tell my child, like, don't do this. Don't do that. If they see me doing it, they're going to be like, I'm not listening to you. And that's why I thought it was. So,
1: yeah, it's about what what you show them because that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. So if you show your
2: children know that this is actually appropriate this is this is what's respectful this is what's disrespectful you know do you have a higher a higher but if i if i show my son that if i tell my son you know i don't want you out there fighting i don't want you acting ignorant and then yeah. every time he's with me i'm acting a fool
1: but what does society say
2: i don't care about what society says but that's
1: how we live in this era now we're it's social media it's society it's we're putting this act on for everyone else out there for, for us to see, instead of living in our own life and living in our own realness and our own humbleness, it's society at this. As point. As it relates
0: to your kids,
1: I feel like it's related to anything. But that's a bad. But People like, put he, out there their highlight of life. You know what I'm saying? Like we no. don't know. We don't see. You wouldn't get online and express, "Hey, my child just came to me, and she's such and such, such and such age, and she just had an STD." You wouldn't get mm-hmm. online and put that right. right mm-hmm. You put not. that picture of you at the beach. Maybe oh. I might or might not. Because you put that big picture of you in the bathroom, you'll put that picture of you somewhere else, but you wouldn't put your reality out there.
0: Right. So, yeah, like anybody would like I think that's one of those things that we don't have to like speak on. Like is common sense. But where the mental shit come from, too, as well. But but common sense is like, obviously, because we're we live in a society where people like to prey on people and take advantage of people's flaws and like shortcomings. Right. Yes. Common sense says don't post things like that, that would.
1: But we're covering uh, it up.
0: No, no, no. It's not necessarily that you're covering it up.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Not Like, everyone should have access to you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Ugh. Everyone should
0: not have access to you.
1: Right. But they we shouldn't. cover up what's real.
0: You're not necessarily covering it up.
1: I wish so, I could meet somebody in the real life or online that could be straight and real with me about everything and verse. Com- <laughs> Then covering it
2: up. So I will say I will speak to what she said. So one of the most um and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that everybody should do this, but there's a pastor that I listened to. His name is um Alistair Begg, and I remember driving to work when I was going to work, this is pre-pandemic, and listening to a sermon um during the Christmas time that he that he gave. And it speaks to similarly what she's talking about, and I can understand what she's saying. He was saying that, you know, um, he gets a lot of cards from people, obviously, as a pastor over the Christmas time. And a lot of what they those cards talk about is they kind of give accolades to their children and to their family about what's going on. You know, my child is, you know, a scholar at this school. My child is this. My child is that. And he was like, you know, I know these families and I know in reality that that's not what's happening. And he said that one of the things that Christians do, and I'm not going to make this a religious thing. I'm just spot- mm-hmm. talking right. about this. But he said one of the things that Christians do is say... Uh, his experience is that they will put on a facade and they will make everything right. seem like it's, okay. it's okay. And he said, but this is what he said that stuck with me. He said, your truth, your vulnerability about how bad things are could save your brother or your sister sitting next to you. you. So he said, imagine you're going through something, right. And your friend is, t- is talking about how good things are. You feel even worse about yourself. You cover but up he what said, you going through. but he said, imagine going through something and your friend is like, you know What? They I'm going through it, too. Situation. So, you know,
1: I, that's that's life right there. Like if we could meet somebody that was understanding and going through the same situation instead of covering up being in Miami mm-hmm. with that. picture, I don't think social media so, is a platform to do that. that but, OK, I, I I'll take tra- out social was my media. Point, and that was I'm, the point that
0: I was trying yeah. to make is that I, I'm with you. I understand the point that you were trying to make. But I the only felt reason like- why I'm
1: making that point and not to interrupt you is the only point. He's a, the only reason why I'm making that point is because that's me. Mm. I'm dead in the inside. I have no emotions right now. I don't feel. Mm. But I can get on TikTok and make a video and feel good for those 2 minutes. Mm. And that's why I reference social media because I can be I can get inside. on social I, I went through dog. another like, mental talk... breakthrough. So, one night um I was just going through a most a bunch of emotional Were you send me a text F-
0: message? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you tried yes. to act like I ain't know what I was talking yes.
1: about. Yes. I sent, I sent Derek a text <laughs> message and I basically, people looked at it as a suicidal note and it wasn't suicidal. It was my truth. I'm tired of people contacting me when they only needing something. I'm tired of being, being a dumping ground for people feeling. Yep. I'm tired of just being there when you need me, when I'm going through something, mm-hmm. no one ever texts me and say, Hey, are you okay today?
2: but why would they but
1: but tt why would
2: they whenever you put on tiktok that you all good exactly
1: i can feel good for those two minutes but no one texts me and say hey i have a friend right now that's texting me about her relationship she don't give a damn about what i'm going through she never once said hey you okay today before i bring this to you
2: but why would she whenever you're posting that you all good
1: because we talk almost every day you should know we're going through the same situation so instead of you saying hey are you okay before I bring this conversation to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you in a mental space? Are you in a mental space? Are you in to take it? And, and mm-hmm. that's one
0: thing I learned from um someone that I used to talk to back in the day where she would, before we'd have like any type of serious conversation, how's your she'd, mental? Like, dump, she'd dump something on me. She'd be like, hey, uh, where are you mentally? Like, can how's I, how's your mental? Can I like drop this on you? Exactly. And, you know, then we'd have, so I, I, I see exactly what you're saying.
1: Exactly. So I have people all the time because I don't know if I have that. Spiritual side of me, where everyone feels like, "Hey, I could be open with you. I could tell you anything." Mm-hmm. And even no matter what I'm going through, I'll put that to the side to to help whoever needs it. Mm-hmm. And I need to stop doing that. I need to put me first mm-hmm. because with them dumping on me, I'm dealing with my own emotions, and I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm like, "Damn, that's familiar to my situation."
2: Are you able though to effectively set those boundaries and say, "I I love you, no. but I can't help you right now."
1: No, well, that's Why a problem. Not? Because that's just not who I am.
2: So you're going to continue to suffer.
1: I have to continue. I have until I find my own personal boundary. For, so. them, for me to tell them, hey, I can't accept what you're telling me anymore. I have to deal with my problem first and then I could be a help. But do you hand. see how that can
2: be like to me? Like, imagine I'm your friend. Right. And you right. have never set those boundaries with me. And, you know, I'm consistently coming to you thinking, OK, I'm your friend. We're talking about stuff. And then one day randomly I get a text message that seems suicidal. I'm like, wait, where did this come from? Exactly.
1: So, that's can that's you how see how, how it, it can be how did like you take it? Did you think it was suicidal? I was
0: like, my nigga trying to offer herself. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, everyone was like,
1: what the fuck no, is going on? Because, like, you are look, not that person. Who are you right now?
3: Right. Like, because
1: I was literally... break. It wasn't suicidal. It was me being truthful to myself. I'm tired of people using me for when they need me, for their convenience. But they never call me any other time. They call me when they need something. And that was basically... The text message, but remember, but everyone like took that, it as a I suicide. I sent
0: you a text and I was like, "Hey, are you good?"
1: Yeah, he did actually. A couple of people did say, "Hey, are you? Is this your current feelings, or this is a poem?"
0: But no, this was before you sent that to me.
1: Um, I I'll have to go back and look in my not right now because you know we have this to get a little static. <laughs> but anyway, um, I sent that text message and then this is what happened. I took some pills because I just wanted to go to sleep. Yeah. So I took my anxiety pills and then. I didn't get sleepy. So I took a bath and then I made me a mixed drink and I'm drinking on top of that pill and I'm like, I'm still not sleepy. So I took another pill. This is a Monday for me, I believe, yeah. or Sunday. Sunday. Something, one it of was, my off days. Sunday. Yeah. So no, it was Monday cause my sister came over there. So it was Monday. So I took another pill. Like, Oh, I just want to go to sleep. I don't want to deal with nothing right now. I just want to go to sleep. Right. So I took one pill, made me a drink, took another pill, made another drink. Before I went to sleep, I told my kids, come check on me because I didn't feel like myself anymore. I'm like, if something happens to me, call 911. Mm. I knew then it wasn't me no more. It was my spirit, basically. I wasn't in my body.
3: So let me ask this So, understanding that we need help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we go
0: about it? Because Mm we we seem to have this like when we go through our phases of like depression, anxiety, we cover it up or whatever. Of course, we cover it up because we don't want people like looking at us as like you weak. Like what's wrong with you? But not knowing that this individual that I'm texting or talking to going through something just like me or something worse.
1: And the people I reached out only reached out to about four or five people that night, those people that I know that are familiar with my situation and knew me. So one of y'all were going to save my life or I was going to be gone that night. And it wasn't like, again, it wasn't a suicidal note. Right. It was me expressing myself. Right. I just needed someone to hold a conversation with that night so I can get my feelings out. My therapist wasn't available. And alcohol definitely wouldn't happen with that medication. No. So.
2: And I think, and it doesn't always help. And it didn't something
1: like that, like, didn't you know
2: someone where something like that happened where he called like a friend of his and the friend didn't answer. And then that was it for him. Um, a family friend. Me. Remember we, we were definitely. talking, about, we were talking about it, um, with, uh, I think it was with your sister and, um, Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So it was actually a relative who, um, he was, I believe he was in college and he stayed in, his, you know, he had his own apartment or whatever, and he was dealing with like depression and or anxiety or whatever it was. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure, but he basically reached out to a friend or some, or a family member mm-hmm. or something. And when he realized they weren't answering, he took that as a sign as, okay, so this is, this my is my out. Like, this is my sign to go. And he mm-hmm. took his own life. He basically mm. shot himself in the head or
3: whatever. Mm. And yes.
0: Man, but
1: that can be anybody that's reaching out to you. You mm -hmm. do do not know. And that's why I say mental health is definitely covered up in the black community with African-Americans, with Africans, because we're not at a young age shown that we can express how we feel. Mm -hmm. And so that night, again, when I mixed the medication with the alcohol, uh, I didn't feel like myself. So, again, I told my children to come check on me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I stop, if something happens to me, call nine one one. If it wasn't for my children coming back in there, I wouldn't have been here. I had to throw up to come back, and that next morning, I feel like I died that night. Wow! Because that next morning, when and I'm I just woke not hearing up, hearing about this, yeah, I I expressed it to two people. I haven't told anyone else, but I really feel like I died that night. The next morning when I woke up, I had no feelings. I felt empty. I had no emotions. I couldn't react to anything. I got up and went back on my, went about my normal day with no feelings. I had no feelings so, so let me ask at all.
0: At the core, what do you feel is the foundation to this?
1: Abandonment. From? People. People. Is there
0: a particular person or particular people?
1: I believe it comes from my father for one and my mother Mm. second, because even though she was there, she paid bills. She made sure we were dressed. She wasn't there. I didn't get the love. I didn't get a hug. I didn't get to have a good day at school. I didn't get that. I got a single parent trying to make it for two children. And I got a dad. I was chasing after every, even now as an adult, I still chase after him. I go, when I go back home, he's the first person I look for to go see because I've always wanted a father. Obviously, I had a stepfather, right. but my mom and them got divorced when I was younger. Um, So we had a split household then. And then eventually she cut him off all the way. So it was just her, but. I felt like if my mom would have gave me the love and attention I needed, along with me getting a father to give me the love mm-hmm. and attention I needed, I wouldn't be in the situations I'm in now.
0: And that's, that's what scares me, yo. Being a father is what scares me, having two girls.
1: You just know, got love on them.
0: It, and, and I'll make sure I do.
1: And I'll tell you one thing. When I go see my father, even till this day as an adult, even I remember, I will never forget he was the first one that took me to buy my first training bra and we went skating. That was my first time remembering doing things with him as a, a young woman. But guess what? It was a woman around. And to this day, it's still another woman around. So this whole growing up phase for me, I'm competing with other women. I want your attention. I want you your one-on-one time with other because it's always a excuse me, I was almost about to say fucking, but it's always a fucking woman around. Sometimes I just want to, yeah, I just want to be me and him. I just want me and my daddy. And it's always a woman around and I feel like I'm competing for that attention. And, and that knows time.
3: This?
1: Oh yeah, I had that conversation with him a couple months ago and he knows that. I, and I told him in his face, I felt like I'm always competing with another woman. It's always a, another woman around or a woman around when I'm just wanting that one-on-one time with my daddy.
0: So there's just never been a time where it's just y'all two.
1: It has been, but then a woman will come by later. It's always been another woman. And then me, they're being they are young parents. They have me at a teenager. And they're looking at me like this can't be your daughter. Yeah. It's I'm his daughter. So now I'm in defense mode because I'm like, That's my daddy. Right. You don't get to have him tonight. That's me. Hmm. And I feel like I was competing with women until this day. I'm still competing with a woman that he's with.
0: And do you hear what that sounds like?
2: Sounds like your grandmother what your
1: grandmother
0: sounds said about your like mom.
1: Grandma. It's a cycle. Didn't I just tell you? It's just mm-hmm. like you you rinse those clothes and they're never clean so you're mm-hmm. still restarting that cycle until you learn. I
2: wanted to kind of um, talk yeah. about some statistics that I think are like really uh, mind-boggling actually. So um, this was a a study that was done, um, last year. So, um, it says while, um, suicidal thoughts and plans are rising, suicidal thoughts, plans, and attempts are rising, um, amongst young black and African American adults. So, um, what they say is that they say that, While still lower than the overall U.S. population, black people aged between the ages of 18 and 35, um, which is pretty much 9.5 percent, have had serious thoughts of suicide in 2018. This is the last time it was reported, compared to 6 percent, which is 277,000 in 2008. So um, that is almost like double the amount of people that have had suicidal thoughts. Um, from 2008 to 2018. And then another thing that they say is that they say, and I think that this is That's very... That's right, ain't it? I think, yeah, and I think... Look, the, the, I didn't want to interrupt her. But, but I think, I think, hold on, wait, let me say one more thing. I think that this is very interesting as well. Black and African-American people living below poverty are twice as likely to report serious psychological distress than those living over 2% of the poverty level. However... Those living above two percent of the poverty level almost double the amount of mental health cases than those living below the poverty level. So what we're saying is we're saying or what this study is showing is that our middle class, comfortable black people do not report mental health issues at the times that those that are below the poverty level do. However, they may have more mental health issues that are prevalent. And so I think it goes back to like the image. Right. And that's all it is. Yeah. And, you know, overall, I think it's important to say that 13.4% of the US population identifies as black or African-American of those 16% reported having a mental illness in the past year. So this is 2020. That is more than the population of Chicago, Houston, and Philadelphia combined.
1: And I can tell you, I didn't know, I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning, but I take 911 calls all day. Uh, for a telecommunication center. Um, So 85% of our calls are suicidal. Mm. And we're trying to help locate that suicidal individual. So basically what they did is they called a suicidal prevention, they called a friend, they posted on social media, I'm gonna harm myself, or they're going live cutting themselves, or they're doing something of the sort where we need to intervene and find out where this individual is. So imagine me last week yeah. mm. listening mm. to all these calls mm. and knowing like, damn, how could a 13 year old do this? Or how could they feel like this? How could, and then I accidentally take pills with alcohol, alcohol and now I'm in that, Was sad. it an accident I mean, though? Was it an accident though? It was definitely an accident. I just wanted to go to sleep. Mm, okay. I get it. I was I tired it. of dealing with things mentally. I was, I just wanted to rest. Right. Yeah. Like Sunday and Mondays are my days for me. I've been listening to all these calls on Saturday about all these suicidals and murders and homicidal Saturday, Sundays are my rest day. And then Monday, Um, it was September 13th. I won't forget the date because that was my ex-fiance's birthday too. Mm. So I wasn't there to spend your birthday with you. And I didn't do anything Took care of what I needed to do as far as business-wise. So, once I was like ready to lay down, I wanted to go to sleep, right. I wanted my mind to stop right, so I took the pills because they helped me go to sleep, mm. and then they weren't working, so I took some alcohol because I know alcohol eventually yeah
0: will no, help you I'm rest some, it'll, yeah it
1: will settle yeah. you It'll mellow you out, so I mixed both of those because so so imagine me being one of those phone calls to my own call center mm. you That's know, pretty heavy
2: I mean, I think you know this has been like really good conversation i think it's been really thought pro- i hope it's been really thought pro- provoking conversation and uh we really do thank you um we talk about this some more yeah, yeah we, we thank you for two. coming for coming this, this on it's definitely gonna be a part two all right uh, yeah uh, and
0: we're gonna go a lot
2: deeper a lot deeper because, uh,
1: it is deeper than what everyone tries to put out there we all have issues we all have mental issues and when you go to a doctor they're not trying to hear your mental issues they're trying to subscribe you something. Especially yeah, exactly.
2: within the black community. We have to be and, very careful of that. Mm-hmm. And I so agree. now
1: that I know I can't mix those pills with alcohols, I haven't don't do those it. pills yet. I haven't took those pills since September 13th. And I will not. I will just take my regular P.M.s or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but now that I know that it has that type of effect where I don't know what I'm doing, mm. like when well, my sister had to come over there and like, hey, get in the tub, put this on, do this, do this. Like wow. I had to be walked through... And I just when I knew I have a video, and maybe we could play it next time we're on, um, but I basically told my kids, hey, if something happened to me, call 911. So imagine your kids hearing that video, but we're online. Like, again, this past week, I've been online making TikToks and looking happy and all that and stuff. But in the inside, I'm in not who inside, I'm you, supposed to. Yeah. yeah, I'm tearing up in inside. I'm not... I'm not as humble. I was just living in that highlight for the moment. That's why I say social media also impacts your living at this point because back then we didn't have social media we
2: didn't, we didn't. you so had to also, deal with your truth
1: you had to deal with your truth now we don't have to deal with I can cover it or like, hide no, a TikTok it video. Mm-hmm. or hide
2: it you deal with it or you hide it well there are a ton of resources um, that um, are available to people um, in the black community um, specifically just because of that healthcare disparity that we have so there are a ton of resources available to um, African Americans and black people um, that we can talk about and certainly post and again I think that I mentioned that I'll mention mention this again if there's anybody that has any questions about health insurance or access to some of these resources please reach out to me pretty well versed in the in that area and when we can we can help you get some help so
0: yeah for sure um until next time y'all be safe and peace
2: bye y'all